The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to take a moment to welcome members of our armed forces who are tuning in from abroad, as well as new listeners joining us on affiliate stations in San Francisco, New York City, Miami, Chicago, Atlanta, Boston, and from coast to coast in every state of the Union. Thank you for your emails, letters, and cards, and for making us part of your Newsweek. In just a moment, Bill Nye, also known as the Science Guy, will be joining the program to talk about a subject that is near and dear to my heart, which is the amount of misinformation and misunderstanding there is when it comes to scientifically proven principles such as evolution, the effects of deforestation, and so on. We live in a time when we're generating as much new data every 48 hours as we have since the dawn of humankind to the year 2003. And you'd think that with all that knowledge, we would produce a more informed, rational society But more and more these days, we see evidence of things going the other way. So today, Bill Nye is going to help us get a few facts straight once and for all. But before Mr. Nye joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. William Sanford Nye was born in Washington, D.C. and studied mechanical engineering at Cornell University. Nye began his career as an engineer at Boeing, where he is known for developing a hydraulic pressure resonance suppressor for the Boeing 747 aircraft. He later catapulted his Boeing experience to become a successful aeronautical consultant. Nye's knack for blending entertainment with science began when he decided to pursue a career as a stand-up comedian and was hired as a writer and actor for the Seattle television program Almost Alive. He was offered an opportunity to do some short six-minute science demonstrations on the program, which quickly earned him the nickname, The Science Guy. Soon afterwards, Nye found himself dressed in a blue lab coat and bow tie, hosting PBS's nationally syndicated program, Bill Nye, The Science Guy. And suddenly, Nye was appearing on talk shows and movies everywhere. He has authored several science books, is the face of the science exhibit at the Shabbat Space and Science Center, the recipient of the Humanist of the Year Award from the American Humanist Society, and the CEO of the Planetary Society. Society, an organization we'll hear more about later in today's program. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report the man who makes science fun for you and I, Dr. Bill Nye. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Nye. Greetings, greetings. I, I of course, am delighted to be called doctor, but those are all honorary degrees, and they're, they're big fun. But just uh, let the let the record show. Well, I fully expect you to be accurate, but, you know, you have to have the credentials to get an honorary degree. (laughs) Oh, no, it's it's quite an honor. Still has has meaning. Yeah, yeah, it's really something. It's it's great. They are great. I thought maybe a good place to start our conversation today is to talk about the problem we seem to be having separating good science from junk science. Not long ago, drug maker Amgen Uh, admitted that they tried to replicate the results of 53 published scientific studies, and they were only able to reproduce the results of six. And these were clinical studies related to to cancer drugs and therapies. What do you make of this? Science is hard. By the way, that's not... 
That's not necessarily a bad thing. That somebody tried to reproduce it and couldn't is part of the process of science. The problem is, when I believe, the problem we have is when people don't realize that reproducibility is a key element or a key feature of uh, the review of scientific discoveries, and especially clinical trials are fantastically complex. Not changing the subject, glyphosate had caused her cancer. And uh, what little, I mean, not that little, but I, I looked into it. I don't think there's any connection between glyphosate and cancer uh, right now. Uh, but it, sound, it seems like maybe there should be. You know, weed killer maybe should cause cancer, maybe. But uh, it doesn't seem to. But anyway, one anecdote does not make for scientific fact. And, and, and there's a lot of hard. confusion about what's a correlation and what's causal. It's very yeah, yeah, difficult yeah. to determine something is causal. Well, it's difficult when you have a sample size of one. Yeah. So uh, anyway, this is part of the process of science. And what we want is for everybody to embrace the process of science and how we know nature and to think critically or skeptically about any claim, any scientific claim, especially medical claims. Well, as you point out, the ability to replicate a study is one of the standards that uh, scientists must adhere to before they publish their studies. I think one of the problems is, is that we've got so much out there over the Internet and uh, it's very hard for the person on the street to uh, that doesn't have a, a scientific background to determine which is good science and which is junk science. Well, this is the thing. It is no longer the good old days. Instead, it's the good new days. <laughs> Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. When I was young, you look something up in uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, you could count on it. It was extensively reviewed by peers and uh, uh, by, by experts. And so you could count on it. However, uh, you would be very common, at least when I was doing it, when I was uh, doing research, you'd look things up and it would be old, be out of date. Now we get much, much more information of lower quality. So it is now up to the consumer of the information, somebody on the Internet, a scientist, a physician, a patient trying to figure out whether or not she or he has cancer, uh, the nature of it. It's up to that user of the information to sort through the higher quantity of lower quality information. It's a different skill, not unrelated to the good old days, but uh, it's a different skill. And we want as many people in our populace as possible to realize that, to embrace that. It's you get you end up with a much better answer to any question, but it's a different way of looking at it. You have to sort through more lower quality information. Now, there's no question we're all experiencing information overload, and that's making it hard to separate facts from politics, opinions, and hearsay, especially well, when it comes to subjects like climate change. Um, so, so help us get our facts listen. straight here. Oh, uh, why, do, why do we still have people calling climate change a hoax or a normal part of the Earth cycle, and what real evidence do we have that uh, proves otherwise? Well, the evidence is overwhelming. I mean, the scientific evidence is overwhelming. It's funny you should mention this. They are hilarious. I spent some time with this, and I realized the reason that we have uh, doubt about climate change and the reason politicians, for example, are not addressing it as aggressively as they reasonably should is because of the success of the deniers. <clears throat> the den- climate change deniers have, been, have done a great job for their cause, in introducing the idea that scientific uncertainty, plus or minus such and such percent, is the same as plus or minus 100 percent. There's doubt about the whole thing. So to your listeners, to anybody, I mean, the scientific evidence for climate change is very compelling, overwhelming. And uh, the scientific evidence for denying it is largely based on conspiracy theories and uh, cherry-picking data, but... Uh, along with that, the aggressive promotion of, uh, of denial by people funded largely by the fossil fuel industry. 
so it's I understand fossil fuel industry wants to stay in business. I understand that, but things are going to have to change. Mm -hmm. Now we have to take our first break, but stay right where you are. We'll be right back with more from Bill Nye, the science guy. You're listening to the Costa Report. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars, recent winners of the best sparkling wine in the U.S. in the Champagne and Sparkling Wine World Championship. Congratulations, Scott. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Now, many would say that Caraccioli Cellars was a dark horse in this worldwide competition. Definitely. We didn't expect for that to happen. Entering this competition is something I would do it just to get the tasting notes and the feedback from Tom. Tom Stevenson is the bubbles critic. He lives for sparkling wines across the world. And at the very beginning when we started this project, Michelle always said that Tom's opinion was the one that mattered the most in terms of if we're making good bubbles and if we're going in the right direction. And then to win awards and win best of class awards and ultimately the best sparkling wine in the U.S., it's definitely affirmation that we're going in the right direction. Visit the Caraccioli Tasting Room on Dolores Street in Carmel-by-the-Sea or find us online at caracciolicellars.com or reach us by phone, 831-622-7722. Big data is being generated by everything around us all the time. Every digital process and social media exchange produce it. Systems, sensors, and mobile devices transmitted. Big data is arriving from multiple sources with ever-increasing velocity, volume, and variety. It's becoming the world's newest resource for competitive advantage, allowing decision-making to move from the elite few to the empowered many. The escalating demand for insights requires a fundamentally new approach to architecture, tools, and practices. To extract meaningful value from big data, you need optimal processing power, analytics capabilities, and skills. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com slash bigdata today. That's www.ibm.com slash bigdata. Have you noticed that food just doesn't taste good anymore? Why is that? If you eat food, you'll want to know this. Our fruits, grains, and vegetables contain less and less nutrition every year. Chances are even your organic plants don't have anywhere near the 70-plus minerals that make a plant healthy and delicious. Listen up, home gardeners, farmers, growers, and lovers of good food. This is Andy Anderson telling you that you can go beyond organic. Perk up your plants and revitalize your fields with blooming minerals from Longevity. This marvelous soil conditioner will re mineralize your soil with up to 76 organically bound earth elements. That means healthier and better looking crops that resist bugs, mold, cold, and other nasties that can wipe you out. Commercial farmers are reporting faster growth, more yield, and higher brick scores. That means better tasting food for you and me. Get Bloomin' Minerals in powder and liquid form from a spray bottle for houseplants to 55-gallon drums for professional growers. Call us now to order toll-free 888-245-0300. That's 888-245-0300. Listen in as Rosie and the gang geographically rename their body parts. Blake Lively tweeted an L.A. face with an Oakland booty. I'll have to stop using that expression about me. Yes, do. What? Why, what do you say about you? Uh, Oakland face with an Oakland booty. <laughs> both. You have neither. I do not have an L.A. face. I do I do have a butt that does leave little to be desired, as they say. Oh, that should be our new thing. Like, yeah, you have an aromas butt. <laughs> a coralite. I have a Ben Got a Chulard chin. <laughs> I've got a Ben Loman butt. A Ben Loman butt. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. I have a San Lorenzo Valley. (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) A couple of Santa Cruz Mountains over here. From Aromas to Thomas's Valley and all parts in between, listen to Good Morning Monterey Bay, 6 to 9 a.m. on KSCO.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is one of the brainiacs responsible for making science and technology cool again, Bill Nye. And we've been talking about some of the myths that result from junk science, information overload, and also the politicization of uh, important issues like climate change. But, you know, regardless of whether people accept the data that's available, such as the uh, abnormal rising of the ocean temperature, uh, it it seems to me that on something as critical as the habitat we all need to survive, maybe we ought to err on the side of caution. I mean, how would we react if an expert told us there was even a, a possibility we had cancer? And most of us would err on the safe side, I think. Well, you raise a good point, but as I say, the deniers have been very successful. Why have they been successful? Uh, Because they're very well funded, and they've they've spent a lot of time creating entities, uh, financial entities, to hide the flow of money and so on. Now, the thing is, it's it's changing. I mean, awareness of climate change is is uh, raising or getting bigger. But they spent they spent a lot of time with it. You know, uh, let's see, what are we? Twenty sixteen. You know, if uh, the election of two thousand had gone a different direction, the world would be different. Mm-hmm. So uh, if we could uh, if we could get going right now, we could resolve this problem. You know, at Stanford, they have a thing called the uh, Solutions Project, where uh, civil engineering professor Mark Jacobson with a bunch of people have done an analysis that you could power the whole U.S. and reasonably you could power the world with renewable energy right now if you decided that you wanted it by you, if we decided that we wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. This is to say there's enough wind energy and enough solar energy to run all of the United States without really uh, extraordinary energy storage technologies because... Uh, in any district, as we say in the utility business, in any district, there the wind's blowing somewhere, the sun is shining somewhere. And it would be um, a reconfiguration of our power grid, but compared to uh, dealing with World War II, it would be, it's a pretty solvable problem. It just, we just need the will to do it. So you bring up a good point. We certainly have the science, the technology, and the knowledge and experts to be able to pull something like this off. So to what do you attribute the the lack of uh, moving forward? What What's stopping the progress? Well, uh, I've decided that it's the deniers that have been really good at it. You know, there's a cable news organization that devotes tremendous amount of energy or time, effort, and energy to uh, denying climate change and having people on to introduce the idea of doubt with respect to climate change to compare compare the immediacy of climate change with the immediacy of uh, terrorist acts and uh, putting climate change aside, setting it aside, encouraging the listeners and viewers to... uh, Ignore it because there's other concerns, and that's inappropriate. This is my, you know, this is my business is fighting these people. So, well, you know, I agree with you in terms of long-term danger and short-term danger. At this particular point in human evolution, our bodies are only designed to physiologically respond to a snake in the road. You know, our bodies fill with chemicals, and we either uh, fight or flee. Uh, but when you, you the further out the danger is, uh, our bodies don't really do anything at all. They're not; they haven't evolved to react physiologically to long-term threats. You talking about your brain or your elbow? I'm talking about your your physiology, human physiology. You know, we, we if it's an immediate danger, our physiology fills with chemi- chemicals. You know, and we're and we immediately are instructed to act. I see what you mean. Yeah, uh, except the reason a tribe or a culture or a family survives is because they think far enough ahead to uh, to pass your genes on. You know, I just I'm not changing the subject. That people continually uh, try to extend lives to ex- pick a number over 100 years, 150 years, what have you. But your reproduct- reproductive time 
is between sort of zero and 40. And so uh, if you plan much beyond uh, your grandchildren, that's enough, generally enough. You start planning way, way out, and things get trickier. However, through the process of science, we have discovered climate change, and that will affect many generations, many generations to come. Right. That's got to go way beyond your grandkids and your great-grandkids, because we now have technology that can model for us the future fairly accurately. We've got predictive analytics. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And plus, the other thing, everybody, keep in mind, once all this carbon dioxide and methane and what have you is in the atmosphere, even if we stopped emitting all greenhouse gases today, uh, it would still be there. The world's still going to continue to warm for another century or two or three. So we now have the brains to plan for. I understand your physiological argument and adrenaline and uh, dopamine and so on. But uh, in the bigger picture, through the process of science, we can look beyond the next and the next after that generation and and realize the seriousness of the situation and get to work. Well, sure. What separates humans? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that separates humans from other living organisms is our great uh, capacity for foresight. That's really what you're talking about there. And you would think that we would call upon that in order to take an action in the present to avert a threat such as not even global warming, global burning, which is eventually what we'll be looking at. Uh, but we, we don't seem to have the ability to take action. And I think that's what we're really talking about here is that, and that's why I bring up the physiology of the human organism. You know, it, it, it's almost as though we're fighting evolution and the fact we don't, uh, we don't have the uh, physiological capacity to take action over something that's longer term. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. You're wrong, Rebecca. <laughs> we yeah. have our brains. We don't need That's adrenaline. Right. We have our brains. <laughs> no, no, it's all one thing. You can't separate the central nervous system from the brain very well. So, everybody, uh, my claim is if we got to work right now, we can address climate change and preserve the quality of life for billions of people. If we mess around for another 20 years, it's going to be a lot harder to preserve the quality of life for hundreds of millions, if not billions of people. So let's get to work, everybody. Let's, as I so often <laughs> say, quit your bitching. Let's go. Now, by way of example, I was in West Virginia. Uh, it was less than a year ago. I guess it was October last year. And now these are people who come to see Bill Nye. These are people who are self-selected. These are people who are choosing to come hear me talk. Roger that. But West Virginians are kind of tired of the coal industry. They're not crazy about it either. That's interesting. They'd like to move on. Oh, yeah. Well, we're, we're going to have to talk about that on the other side of a break. We have to take a, a, a little bit of time to hear some commercial messages from our sponsors, but we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to the Costa Report. I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, and raspberries. Dole has a bounty of berries ripe for the picking. Fresh berries are not only delicious, but some of the most powerful disease-fighting foods available. Researchers have found that berries have some of the highest antioxidant levels of any fresh fruits. So add a handful or two of your favorite berries to your next meal and enjoy their nutritional benefits and natural sweetness in all of your dishes, from salads to desserts and everything in between. For fresh tips and ideas from Dole's berry experts, visit berries.dole.com. And be sure to check out the pages of mouthwatering recipes. Whether it's a sweet and savory blueberry-cranberry chicken salad or a simple strawberry sorbet, Dole has the perfect berry to inspire your next berrylicious dish. Good day, everybody. Rod Caborn with the perfect way to start your July 4th celebration by running in the firecracker. Revel in the classic 10K, the fast and flat 5K, and the delightful kids 1K. 
Hosted by Santa Cruz Sunrise Rotary, every penny goes to local charities, including the remarkable Leo's Haven. Go to santacruzfirecracker10k.org. The perfect start to your 4th of July. santacruzfirecracker10k.org. Cheers. Hi, I'm Andy, the produce manager at Ben Loman Market. This week, we are featuring Washington Sweet Red Cherries, $2.99 a pound. Large juicy cantaloupes, $1.99 each. Broccoli crowns, 99 cents a pound. Green kale, 99 cents each. One pound clamshell sweet strawberries, two for $5. And sweet white corn in husk, two for $1. From Mexico, we have Roma tomatoes, 99 cents a pound. Mangoes, 69 cents each. And cucumbers, two for $1. In organics, cluster tomatoes, $1.99 a pound. Red or green seedless grapes, $2.99 a pound. Broccolini, two bunches for $5. Blueberries or raspberries, $2.99 each. And organic bananas, $0.99 cents a pound. We carry a full line of fresh conventional produce and a full line of fresh organic produce at Ben Loman Market. So you finally decided to start taking a vitamin supplement. Those chewables and tablets are fine if you don't mind paying for something that is only absorbed about 4 to 6%. However, a liquid supplement can have a 90% absorption rate if you choose the right one. Longevity offers a wide variety of liquid supplements with a 90% absorption rate or more. Beyond Tangy Tangerine may be the best one ever invented. It starts as a liquid that is freeze-dried like those instant coffees into a crystal. Then all you have to do is add a couple of scoops to water. No refrigeration, no fuss, no mess. Not only do you get a complete multiple vitamin, Beyond Tangy Tangerine also has minerals, and it tastes fantastic. You'll want to drink it all day long. So the next time you reach for a vitamin supplement, reach for Beyond Tangy Tangerine from Longevity. For more information or to order, call Andy or Phyllis Anderson at 888-245-0300. That's 888-245-0300. This is Mitch Winnick, co-host of Wagner and Winnick on the Law. Stephen Wagner and I are pleased to announce the new program time for our weekly discussion of law and public policy. We pick legal topics that affect each one of us right out of the weekly headlines. Join us live every Saturday afternoon from 4 to 5 p.m. here on KSCO AM 1080. Remember, if you don't know the law, know a lawyer. I'm Rebecca Costin. If you're just joining us, our guest today is Bill Nye, otherwise known as the science guy. And before the break, you were starting to say that some states whose economies depend on mining coal may not necessarily be excited about coal as a primary fuel. And I wanted to give you a chance to finish your thought on that. Well, I was in West Virginia and the people that came to see me speak and understand these are self-selected people. They are tired of the coal industry. You know, they had the Elk River contaminated by this uh, coal washing chemical. They couldn't uh, drink the water. The mountaintops, as they're called, have been taken off. You may have an idea of a mine where you drill a hole in the mountain and then extract whatever it is you want, coal, for example. Well, now the machines are so big and uh, work so quickly they they don't bother drilling a hole in the side of the mountain they just take the top of the mountain off and where does that material go it goes down the hill into the streams and place uh, the water quality is uh, it's no good and the fish and the other wildlife that would live there and the ecosystem are destroyed by coal mining all the we've all benefited from it for the last couple of centuries but it's time to quit got to move on and I say all the time, my grandfather went into World War I on a horse. He apparently was you know, skilled enough horseman, rode around, did not get killed, which is important if you want to have grandkids. And, uh, but nobody, very, 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 very few soldiers nowadays need horseback riding skills. Everything changed. Everything changed in 20 years. So we can change everything. Let's go, everybody. Come on. Let's get to work. 
Well, it's the old expression, adapt or die, right? The the world, the environment, social and physical environment is constantly changing. And uh, you either adapt uh, or you face extinction. And I think that's certainly uh, true when it comes to careers as well. Most people will wind up having, well, I think the latest is that you'll wind up having three or four careers over your lifetime. So might as well get busy. (laughs) You're just a perfect example. So anyway, what I'm saying is you have to be optimistic. You have to believe you can solve these problems or you won't solve them. So I I just say all the time, let's quit wringing our hands and just get going. The number of jobs that would be created in the United States, you cannot outsource these jobs. Building wind turbines, setting up photovoltaic systems, building concentrated solar power systems, these are all the U.S. jobs here in the United States or Canadian jobs in Canada or Mexican jobs in Mexico. This is all good. This could all be done, and this technology exists if we just decided that we wanted to do it. So uh, we're, I'm very hopeful that in this election, everybody, no matter what your political orientation going in, I hope everybody takes the environment into account when he or she votes. Well, you will remember that President Obama did launch a rather aggressive green jobs program at one point, and uh, it sort of blew up when their big investment in Solyndra uh, sort of caved in, and and it almost seemed like they backed away from that following that uh, Solyndra fiasco. Uh, As we like to say, you may be right. That was a shame. there There are more solar power companies I live in Southern California. There are more solar power companies now than ever. Somebody is making money off installing photovoltaic systems. I have some solar panels that were built by a company that's out of business now because they were, as the old saying goes, undercapitalized. But uh, this doesn't mean the problem can't be solved. Uh, I predict that solar panels will be made in large quantities in the United States. This is not... (laughs) not an extraordinary prediction once you have solar panels on your house the electricity is free mm-hmm. so it costs about as much as a car to put solar panels on your house but the moment you drive that car off the lot your car is worth less the moment you turn the power on from your solar panels they're worth more Yeah, but we're talking about a time when many families are working two and three jobs just to pay their rent and keep food on the table and and get their kids into college. I mean, asking them to step up and pay the equivalent of a car, that's that's a pretty steep bill for most Americans. Okay, okay, I'm just saying this. If you want, you can make this choice right now uh, to spend that money and then have an electrical bill that's about... $10 every six months, every uh, 60 days, I mean, every two months. Or we could decide as a society that it might be a better investment to build renewable energy systems. The huge opportunity, by the way, is wind energy off the East Coast. Almost half, they're all very close to half of the people in the U.S. live in the Eastern time zone. If we had uh, wind turbines off the East Coast, we could supply that electricity for just about everybody uh, very quickly and without much change to our electrical transmission infrastructure. Right. I think you're and right. It has to start with the utility companies and move outward well, and because and we've got so to get the price down. You got to get it. Well, you got to get it way down. Okay. You know, I run into this all the time uh, because I'm a first responder with the American Red Cross and the Red Cross always goes out and says, hey, you know what? A hurricane is coming. You need to get five days worth of extra food, batteries, you know, prepare yourself for the emergency. And there's a bit of a disconnect because they're not understanding that the people that they're talking to who can't just evacuate their homes and go somewhere else and live in a motel uh, they're living paycheck to paycheck they can't even buy spare batteries they don't even have enough money to do that okay so this is utilities everybody are not built by lower lower income homeowners yeah that's right utilities are, are enabled by the government we issue regulations 
And this idea that's so popular right now that the, that a government is inherently bad, I just really dis, I just really disagree with that point of view. I, 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 I'm just not down with that. We have enormous expenditures in maintaining a military presence on the other side of the world in order to protect our oil supplies, especially our fuel for cars. The gasoline that uh, goes in cars comes from overseas because the oil and natural gas that we mine here in the U.S. isn't especially well suited to that these days. So if you didn't have that expense of maintaining a standing army on the other side of the world, you could reinvest that money in renewable utilities. This is, this is a big idea. It's thinking in a big way. And the people who did it uh, that are my ancestors are both of my parents. They were veterans of World War II. My father was a prisoner of war in the Japanese, by the Japanese military. My mother, who I admit was good at puzzles, was recruited by the Navy to work on this notorious thing, the Enigma Code. Your mom was a code breaker, is that right? Yeah, yeah. She subscribed to Cryptography Magazine, which is a laugh riot, let me tell you. But (laughs) uh, they did not set out to be the greatest generation. That was not their deal. They just played the hand they were dealt. So everybody, we are coming of age, and a generation of people is coming of age where the climate is changing. And fossil fuels are becoming... uh, uh, more unde- increasingly undesirable. They are bad for the environment. They're short-term. We're going to run out of the really high-quality ones soon enough. The low-quality ones will never run out, by the way. That's the bad news. We will never run out of coal. Never. So are you saying this is our generation's World War II? That's, I'm saying it's every bit that, yeah. Yeah, I, I you think have, you're, you're, you know, I, I've never thought of it that way. Yeah, and we can do this. You look at what everybody was involved in resolving World War II. The music from that era, the swing era, is all about uh, the war. That's all people talk about. People of my my parents' generation. You're right. The war definitely drove United States culture. uh, No question about that. Now, we have to take our last break, but stay where you are. We'll be right back in a few minutes. You're listening to the Costa Report. If you listen to the news today, you might come away with the impression that our biggest challenges are political and economic. But if this were true, then countries which have different political and economic systems would be facing different problems. But they aren't. Every government and every nation is struggling with job creation, debt, immigration, climate change, terrorism, health care, energy, and wild swings in financial markets. So something else must be going on. That's why I'm inviting you to get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, a book which shows how the Roman, Mayan, and Khmer empires once faced similar challenges and what we can do to avoid their fate. Visit RebeccaCosta.com today and get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, because once you do, you'll never look at the world the same way. If you're wondering what to do with all that data you're creating, do I have an offer for you? Tableau is drag-and-drop software that people of any skill level can use to analyze and turn data into something actionable. That's right. I said actionable. And isn't that what all that data is for? With Tableau, you can connect to any data in virtually any format and visualize it on the fly. Databases, spreadsheets, even big data sources are instantly combined into usable charts, graphs, reports, and dashboards. People can analyze data and -and drag-and-drop at 10 times the speed of a traditional business intelligence system. But the most impressive thing about Tableau is that anyone can use it. And just to prove the point, you can get a free 14-day trial from Tableau just by mentioning you heard this ad. But do it now, because this offer won't last. For your free 14-day trial, visit Tableau at T-A-B-L-E-A-U dot com slash Costa. That's Tableau.com slash Costa. Tableau Software. What's your data trying to tell you? 
Hi, it's Charlie from The Garden Company. Spring has sprung, and it's an awesome time to be in the garden. Edible landscaping is super popular, so check out our certified organic vegetables and herbs in seeds and seedlings, as well as deciduous fruit trees, blueberries, avocados, guavas, figs, olives, and all kinds of citrus. Did you know drought tolerant can be beautiful too? Add color and texture to your landscape with our flowering perennials and shrubs from Australia, South Africa, and the Mediterranean, as well as California natives and hundreds of succulents. The Garden Company practices an organic first philosophy, offering earth-friendly fertilizers, soil products, and pest controls with a trained staff to guide your selection. Visit the Garden Company Nursery and Gift Shop and experience service only a local family-owned business can provide. 2218 Mission Street, across from Safeway on the west side of Santa Cruz. Like us at facebook.com slash thegardenco, the Garden Company Nursery and Gift Shop, proud member of Think Local First. For the last 60 years, Coast Paper and Supply has been serving locals and businesses for all their cleaning and paper supply needs. With an 1,800-square-foot showroom and nearly 5,000 products, you'll find everything you're looking for in the way of janitorial supplies, retail and industrial packaging, and disposable food service products for business or home, not to mention their huge selection of boxes and shipping supplies. Their family-owned and operated business is located at 151 Josephine on River Street in Santa Cruz. Call 831-423-3350 or visit Coast Paper Supply Inc.com, a proud member of Think Local First. I'm Steph. I'm Rob. And, and we're, we're out in Santa Cruz. Cruz. Every Saturday at 7 p.m., we explore local, national, and global LGBTQ stories and interview the newsmakers you don't want to miss. It's fun, it's fabulous, and even <gasps> controversial. He's the gay dad blogger, and I'm the queer political sports fan. Out in Santa Cruz, Saturdays, 7 p.m., streaming and past shows on KSCO.com. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and our guest today is Bill Nye. Now, you're not only concerned with issues here on Earth, but you're also the CEO of the Planetary Society. So tell us a little bit about your work with that organization. So the Planetary Society was started by one of my uh, old professors, Carl Sagan, in 1980, along with Bruce Murray, who was the head of the Jet Propulsion Lab at that time, and Lou Friedman, who was an engineer there. And our mission is to advance space science and exploration. So what I am very interested in myself right now is looking for life on other worlds. Now, this is in parallel, Rebecca, with addressing climate change, providing clean water, reliable electricity, and access to the Internet for everyone in the world. Along with that, we want to continue the search for life out there because there are two questions that get everybody. Where did we come from? Where did we come from? What is our origin? And then the other one is, are we alone in the universe? Everybody you've ever met has wondered uh, about the answers to those two questions at some point. And if you want to answer those questions, you have to explore space. So what we do is we have excellent bloggers, excellent journalists, who uh, keep you updated on what's going on in space. There's a lot going on in interplanetary space. And uh, then we have, uh, we have our own spacecraft, which we launched last year, which is a dream of, of the founders, Carl Sagan, Bruce Murray, Lou Friedman, is to move a spacecraft through space with sunlight. It really seems crazy, but light has momentum. And so if your spacecraft is big enough and low enough mass, it gets pushed by the sun. It's crazy. And then the big thing we do is advocate. We go to the U.S. Congress, especially, to a limited extent in Canada and Japan. We go in Europe. We go to the U.S. Congress and advocate for space missions that will take us farther and deeper into space. And by us, I mean right now our robotic spacecraft, and then we hope in the near future, We'll send humans to Mars. And this is what we work on. These, are, these really are visionary ideas. And by the way, Independence Day for you U.S. listeners is on Monday, the 4th of July, and the Juno spacecraft, which was launched in 2011, will go into orbit around Jupiter. 
This is, and Juno is not an acronym. That's Jupiter's wife in mythology. It was named Juno. And so this, this is an extraordinary spacecraft. I mean, it was launched with a pretty big rocket. But as we say, you can trade, you can trade money for time in space. So it was launched in 2011. It went on this huge orbit out beyond the orbit of Mars, came back by the Earth, woo, got whooshed, and got a slingshot gravity assist and is now out at almost to Jupiter. And we'll bring back these amazing pictures and we will learn a lot about the core of Jupiter. Everybody wonders why Jupiter, which is this massive planet, is, didn't fall into the sun. I mean, people, people have very good hypotheses as to why this is. But we'll learn more about the core, what's inside Jupiter. Is it heavy metal or is it hydrogen that acts like a metal and these kind of questions it's very cool very cool now there's been a lot of discussion about using the moon as a potential space station a launch station Uh, what do you think about that i mean we went to the moon we came back and we just didn't do anything after that (laughs) the moon is sort of sitting there waiting to have a mission (laughs) well i mean people who study there's this fabulous word in space called the architecture which is what? how many rockets, how big, how often would you launch them, how many people on board, the mission architecture of going to Mars, in most scenarios, includes the moon. Now, I don't, there is no objective argument whether or not we should go to the moon or not go to the moon. Let's see if that sentence came out right. Whether well, or not we, we need to build out that infrastructure, though. Well, and, and, and we need these payload uh, uh, vehicles to start going okay. to the moon and building out that, that uh, launch station. So, yeah, keep in mind that uh, SpaceX, which is this celebrated Southern California company headed by Elon Musk, mm-hmm. plans to not stop at the moon. They believe just punch it, go all the way to Mars. Uh, as we say, there's no. We're going to let people who really get into the details decide whether or not you need to stop at the moon. But all that aside, the reason you would send people to Mars is because they make discoveries much faster than even our very best robots can make. And then we would look for signs of life. And my claim is, you, your listeners can evaluate this. If we were to find evidence of life on Mars, it would change the world. Now, when you talk about life, though, I want to be clear with our listeners. We might be talking about single-celled organisms. We're not talking about other uh, alien-looking species. Well, we're talking about bacterial mats that have turned to stone, perhaps, so-called stromatolites. And here's the question, everybody. It has now been decided, discovered, uh, peer-reviewed, and agreed that there's liquid water on Mars. Every Martian summer, when the sun heats up these uh, slopes where there, are, where there is ice under the surface, water ice, water flows on Mars. Every place, every place we look on Earth where there's water, there is something alive. The, the driest, tiniest, dampiest place of, of uh, Death Valley has certain uh, blue-green uh, life forms that live there. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it is not crazy to suggest that there was once was something alive on Mars. And it's not crazy. It's extraordinary, but not crazy to suggest there is something still alive there. So here's a question. Let's say we go there and find these Martian microbes, these Mars probes. Do they have DNA? (laughs) Are they a completely whole nother type of life? It's a fabulous question. I mean, it's just an amazing question that we are people alive now listening to the radio right now could resolve just by we do not have to increase the NASA budget. We just have to decide this is what we're going to do with our resources. Well, I would suggest that uh, we not only can resolve it, we will resolve it because, you know, science is a moving target. And over time, we we will continue that exploration. It's just just going kind of slow for you and I. (laughs) Well, Rebecca, keep in mind that people are saying we'll be going to Mars. Every president, conservative or progressive, every president, since the 1960s, has been saying we're going to send people to Mars. 
But 40 years have gone by, and we haven't. And it just requires a little focus, a little focus. Well, with a little luck, the private sector may get us there a lot quicker than our own government. Uh, uh, And it certainly looks like they're they're, uh, bringing up the rear. Well, keep in mind, it's a different era. The reason people landed on the moon was because of the Cold War. That's the reason. And there's a very strong argument that if John Kennedy had not been assassinated, the landing on the moon would have been set aside. That's very reasonable. Historians make this argument. I'm not going to let you guys fight it out. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, we, could, we could send people to Mars at reasonable cost in the next two presidencies, let's say three presidencies, rather, if we just decided to do it. And well, we I hope you are right, uh, and unfortunately, that on that note, we, that is all the time that we have today. But before good we fun. say goodbye, good I want to thank fun. you for what you've done to make science important again, especially for young people everywhere. Thank you, Mr. Nye. Thank you. Let's change the world. (laughs) Next week, we're going to continue with our science theme, and we're going to find out how much science is involved in falling in love. Uh, I Boy, do I want to take this topic on. (laughs) It is hard to believe that 438 eHarmony subscribers get married every day in America. Every day, 438. We're going to speak with eHarmony founder Dr. Neil Clark Warren about the science and the business of love. Uh, in the age of the internet. And so mark your calendars. You don't want to miss that. And if you didn't get the whole interview with Bill Nye today, remember you can get that on Apple iTunes, uh, Podbeam, YouTube channel, uh, and also our website at RebeccaCosta.com. So if you missed the full interview with Bill Nye, the science guy, be sure to check him out uh, at our website at RebeccaCosta.com. And uh, mark your calendars. Again, uh, you don't want to miss an eye-opening conversation with Dr. Neil Clark Warren next week right here on the only program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for another hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 